my joy. You are my song. You are the well, the one I'm drawing from. You are my refuge, my whole life long. Where else would I go? Surely my God is the strength of my soul. Your love defends me. Your love defends me. And when I feel like I'm all alone, Your love defends me. Your love defends me. Yeah.
Come let us adore 
Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore you. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of His words? morning. Welcome, everyone. It's great to see everyone this morning. It's uh, good to be in the house of the Lord. hope that you're ready to worship today because uh, we're going to worship the Lord. Really thankful that uh, our Zambia team made it back. We were praying on Wednesday night that 
our Zambia team would make it back without <laughs> lots of uh, failed airline experiences. So I was just thankful that God did that for us. Um, they had a really great time over there. It sounds like God was just doing some great things. And, and what an answer to prayer that we as a church get to send people all the way across the globe to do ministry and uh, ministry gets done and God works and God moves. And um, I think sometimes we're even shocked about it. <laughs> sometimes we're like, man, it was crazy. God was working. <laughs> but what a blessing. And, and I guess we should be shocked, but um, maybe not surprised. It was it's just a really big blessing. I don't want us to, to go away from these trips missing the fact that, that God, uh, we are in the heart of his will whenever he is sending us out and we're, we're going and doing the things that he wants us to do. So, and just remember, that's, that's what we're made for. Uh, coming up on Saturday, next Saturday is the, the Iwana kickoff nerf battle. So if, uh, for the Sparks and the TNT kids in Iwanas, you can uh, come here from 1 to 3 p.m. and there's going to be a, a nerf battle. Um, bring your guns, but don't bring your bullets. Um, we'll provide the bullets. We don't want those bullets that your kids made that have the, you know, the, the, the nine-inch nail off of them. So... <laughs> So we'll provide the bullets, and uh, you provide the guns. Uh, and we'll have some guns if, uh, if, if your kids don't. And then uh, we, we're still going to have Proverbs in the Park. Um, two more Sunday or two more Wednesdays next uh, Wednesday and the Wednesday following. And then Awanas will start on September 6th, and we'll be back to our, our uh, typical Wednesday night ministries of coming here for dinner. And then the kids can go to Awanas, and adults can go to Bible study. So... Guess the summer's over. <laughs> Let's stand up and worship the Lord. God, thank you for being our great God. Thank you, Lord, that you uh, brought our Zambia team back. Lord, thank you that you sent them out. Lord, thank you for uh, your your work in your church all across this globe and the great things that you're doing, Lord, in your world, God. And uh, we need you so much, God. We need to hear from you today. We need to hear your voice today. We need to... Um, grow today. We need to change today, God. I pray that we would do it, Lord, as your word is spoken. I pray that we would hear your voice and we would obey you and we'd worship you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you were here last week, uh, I know some of you weren't, but Pastor Marty Rostad pointed us to gratefulness. He's, he, uh, Paul, further down in this passage, says, I have learned the secret of being content. Let's read this together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God so let's be thankful this morning
together in the pastures of our Lord. His loving kindness is eternal, so we shout out, You are God. We know the Lord is God, and we know our Lord is God. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His You return to your places. We will once again sing with gratitude.
sun does not withhold its light. The sea does not withhold the tide. I won't withhold your love and I am
Good morning. Another beautiful day out there. Today, I'd like to share just briefly, our, our team came back from uh, Zambia. We're just thankful for the church that upheld them in prayer. God did use them in a powerful way, and quite a number of people came to Christ through the ministry there. And that, that's always exciting. But just want to encourage our church this morning that uh, we're starting Awana, we're, we're starting uh, Good News Clubs, and we need workers. We really do. We need to step up as believers. Uh, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Um, not that works save us, but that works are what we prepared by Christ to do. And we need to serve in our church. We need to serve in so many areas. And I know many of you are. You know, we've got Sunday school teachers here and we've got workers. But I'd like to just encourage some, uh, some of the new ones maybe. Maybe you've been just kind of resting, staying out of ministry for a while. Time to get back to work. I, I really believe that. Not a time to retire just because you hit 65. I guess that's me. <laughs> so, anyway, keep serving. Serve Jesus to the end and uh, let him get all the glory. Really, I, I mean that. We need, we need to step up, please. We need your help. I want to need your help. Uh, we're, we're here for kids. We're here for just serving in all areas. Um, and we need to be excited about it. Isn't it exciting to serve Jesus? Yeah, it really is. Be a part of it. We'd love to have you on the team, have you part of the ministry. So please let us know. And ask. If somebody doesn't ask you, please ask one of us. We'll get you pointed in the right direction. Uh, also, congratulations to the Edsel Millers over here, Connor and Hannah, new baby this week, or this last week. Praise God. That's awesome. Um, let, let's go to prayer. God is so good. We just need to glorify him. Father, thank you for the great privilege it is to serve. Father, help us as a church just to be all about serving you. There's so many areas in which uh, uh, workers are needed and uh, ministry opportunities are there. We just need to step up and be a part of it. If we all work together, Lord, and depend on you and see how you can develop us into uh, uh, workers that, uh, that glorify your name and, and help out with in children's ministries or whatever it might be, Lord. There are just so many areas uh, where we can serve in the church today. Father, most of all, we just want to be a part of reaching our community for Christ as well. We need to be a part of just uh, loving people for you, uh, uh, taking opportunities to share Christ with people, share truth, and, and uh, be prepared for that, Lord. Help us as we go through each day, Lord, uh, whether it's at work or just uh, shopping or whatever it might be, uh, bring opportunities into our life just to share the good news of Christ and truth with people. Father, you've been so good to us as a church, and you've blessed the ministry here, and 
we're just so excited. Thank you for uh, taking care of our team that went to Africa for making uh, that ministry such a powerful time. I just thank you for our church that uh, prayed and you answered, Lord. Father, this morning as we take our offering, may you get all the glory as well. And we're thankful for the word of God that will be preached with Pastor Mike as he shares. I'm sure he must be tired from his trip, but uh, give him grace and give him encouragement. May may have a special word from from you today to bring us. May the Holy Spirit be at work. Lord, do your powerful work in our lives today, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, men, let's take the offering.
Let's read together from Psalm 73. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works.
good morning. I'm glad to be here this morning. Glad you're here this morning. <clears throat> we had a good trip to Zambia, but it's always good to be home. It just is. And blessed to just hear some things that have been happening. I was thankful to just hear of the good services we had. Uh, Fred Creason and Marty Ross, I had two men that I am so thankful for. And good services on Wednesday nights. Uh, uh, James shared and Larry shared. Her that went really well too. And new baby, pretty excited about the new baby. We're praying in Zambia for the new baby, and he's here. And I'm hoping to get to meet him this morning. Don't run out. I want to meet him. Uh, also excited to hear about Ed and Karen Smith's 50th anniversary. Uh, they're sitting back there in the back. So yeah, we should. <laughs> pretty thankful for that. Our Zambia team's. We're super thankful for your prayers. Uh, we, were, we were blessed. Um, we had some delays on the way over there, which is a little, a little frustrating, but our team was great. We, we got to spend an extra night in London, which is okay. <laughs> got to spend an extra night in Johannesburg, South Africa, which is okay. Uh, but we finally made it to Zambia, and God was just good. And so many things to say um, about the trip, and hopefully we'll say a few more, but, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to me to see people walk by faith. I'll just say that, because that's what we should be doing. And, and I got to tell you, man, we, we struggle with that. Do you struggle with that? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about trusting God with some of the, the bigger things. I'm talking about faith that says God can, in his people, do things that people can't do. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, we've talked about, we prayed this morning in our pastor's prayer time about just our Awana ministry and our uh, Good News Club's ministries. And, you know, sometimes all we hear is we don't have enough workers and we don't have enough of this and we don't have enough of that. And we talk to people about serving and they're like, well, you know, I'm busy and I don't like to do children and I know it's hard and it's, uh, that's not faith. Guys, that's not faith. That is not faith. Faith says God can do in his people anything he wants to do in his people. He can give us strength. He can give us wisdom. He can give us discipline. He can use us in the hard situations, in the, in the ministries that are difficult to handle. He can do that. Did you know that? Did you, you know that, right? But we have to actually step out and do that. And I was blessed we had an interesting team. We had half were a little aged. They were getting there anyway. Max is acting like he doesn't know I'm talking about him <laughs> and me. We had, we had four that were 60, well, almost 60 and above. I'm not there yet. Uh, we had one that was 53. So we might have thrown her in that category. And then we had like five that were under 26. So we had this interesting team. And to see, see them serve in ways that they, they were scared to death to serve is fantastic. And you know who gets the glory when that happens? When people step into ministries that are difficult or new or, you know, overwhelming. And then they... They step in and God does something. You know what happens? You know who gets the glory for that? That's right, God does. 
And my heart is that that's what will happen in this church and keep happening in this church. You need to hear me. We are not here for us. We are not here for us. We're here for him. And if he's calling you to serve, quit making excuses and serve anywhere he calls you to serve. I was blessed to take a 22-year-old young lady witnessing with me. She cried the whole time for various reasons. And then when it was her turn to share the gospel, she stepped up and shared the gospel as she'd never done it before. And God blessed and God blessed her. Don't tell me you can't serve. Don't tell me. So would you guys pray about that, please? In so many different ways. Let's honor God. Psalm 59 this morning. Psalm 59. Turn over there. We're going to talk about, I will sing of my God. Even the old guys get stretched every now and then. God gave me a verse before I left to go to Zambia. Psalm 59, 16. That I tried to memorize. It says, but as for me, I will sing of your strength. Yes, I will Shout, or I will sing, I will joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. For you are my stronghold, a refuge in my day of distress. And I had memorized that verse, and I always wonder when God gives me a verse if He's going to do something interesting with that when I travel or when I'm at, in the, here or whatever. And I showed up on a Wednesday night to, uh, to uh, no, it was Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, I showed up, and uh, the pastor says, well, who's going to teach the Bible study this morning? I was the only one there from our team. And I said, I didn't know we were supposed to teach the Bible study this morning. I thought I was just preaching this morning. He says, no, somebody needs to teach the Bible study. I'm not ready. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm not ready either. <laughs> but guess what? You just do, Right? And thankfully, God had given me this verse, and so I taught this, this chapter. So let's read Psalm 59.1. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Set me securely on high, away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity, and save me from the men of bloodshed. For behold, they have set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me. Not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. For no guilt of mine they... Run and set themselves against me. Arouse yourself to help me and see. You, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous in iniquity. They return at evening. They howl like a dog and go around the city. Behold, they belt forth with their mouth swords or in their lips. For they say, who hears? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all the nations. Because of his strength, I will watch for you, for God is my stronghold. My God, in his loving kindness, will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. Do not slay them, or my people will forget. Scatter them by your power, and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. On account of the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be caught in their pride, and on account of curses and lies which they utter. Destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be no more, that men may know that God r rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. 
They return at evening. They howl like a dog and go around the city. They wander about for food and growl if they are not satisfied. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning, for you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for you. What would we be without you? What hope would we have without you? What could we do without you? There'd be nothing without you. Literally nothing. You created all things. You hold all things together by the power of your word. You rule and reign over nations. You rule and reign in our lives. And you're good, Lord God. You're merciful. You desire for us to know you. You desire for us to share you. You desire for us to walk by faith and trust you that you might do more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. You, Lord God, deserve glory and praise and honor and worship today. You, Lord. And so I want to give it. I love you. We love you. We praise you and thank you for all that you are. And I ask, Lord God, that you would speak this morning to each one. Transform us, draw us near. Be our Savior. Because, Lord, we need you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's this interesting little psalm. I mean, it, it tells us in the, the, the little bit before we begin this psalm that it's a mitcom of David when Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill him. And then we won't go back to it, but if you went back to 1 Samuel chapter 19, you read of this account. Uh, after David had killed Goliath and the people began to sing that Saul had killed his thousands, Saul, the king of Israel at that time, but David killed his ten thousands and Saul became very jealous of David, even though David would serve him and was happy to serve him. But, but Saul became very jealous and began to plot ways to kill David. He had told his son Jonathan and told the commanders of the army, kill David. Jonathan knew his dad was being jealous and knew who David was. And so he defended David and Saul vowed not to kill David. And yet the next thing we read in that chapter is David's playing his harp for Saul like he had done for a while to soothe Saul's tormented spirit. And Saul chucked his spear at him, trying to pin him to the wall, trying to kill him. The next thing in that chapter we read is that, that Saul sends men to watch David's home so that in the morning when he leaves, they can kill him. But Saul's daughter, who was married to David, warned David, let him down out of a window so he would escape and, and be free from Saul's treachery. But it's after this time where, where Saul has intensified this attack on his life that David writes this psalm. And so he's really writing at a time that, you know, you and I would find pretty distressing, pretty disturbing. I've never personally had anybody out to take my life so far as long as I've lived, but I mean, this man is being hunted by the king of Israel. There's nobody more powerful in the nation than the king. And so he is really at a place where he needs help. 
And, and for us, in so many ways, uh, we need to realize how much we need God's help. Uh, I think that's one of our great struggles in America today is we actually don't think we need God's help. Uh, we are very independent people. We are, in many ways, very successful people. In many ways, we have abilities and we have wisdom and we have knowledge and and we think that, quite honestly, we're going to be able to work through our problems and we're going to be able to solve all these issues that we have. And, and yet, if we'll listen to ourselves speak, we talk about our needs one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, don't we? We're tired. We're busy. We're stressed. I mean, man, we have struggles in our relationships. We have financial needs. Uh, we have overwhelming situations at work that we can't control. We have bosses that, that don't understand us and we don't understand them. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And that's just talking in general generalities. But then there's, there's real issues too that go beyond that. We have sick loved ones. We ourselves get sick. I mean, we face life and death. And I mean, we have all these things going on. And yet so often the last thing that we do is cry out to God. And if we do cry out to God, it's not really crying out to God. It's almost like a little head nod or a wink to God and say, you know, Lord, we need you, so come on, Lord, and help us. But man, if we really understood who God was, if we really understood who we are, maybe we'd begin to pray, kind of like David does. I mean, he's, he just simply prays, deliver me from my enemies, oh my God. Set me securely on high, away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity and save me from men of bloodshed. For behold, they have set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me. I mean, he understands that there is an attack a coming against him that is beyond him. He understands that fierce men are coming. I mean, when the king sends his messengers, when the king sends his envoys to kill you, he's sending the best of the best. He's not really playing around with you. And so David understands that his life is in literal peril, and he needs God's help. And he, what, he, what he needs is God to lift him up higher than they can get to. All right, send me up on high, Lord, where these men can't get to me. And, and what a thought. It's not like the men had quit coming. For a long time after this, Saul was going to chase David through the wilderness and all over the place and all kinds of trials. But David realized something that I think we take for granted too often, and that is that God can give us safety and deliverance in ways that no human can deal with. He can put us up in a place and protect us, give us strength and peace and life, even when the chaos is roaring. But you know, so often I think in our life, we think that if we have chaos or trials or hurts in our life, then God's somehow failing us because of the trials. Well, listen, if you have Christ in your life and you're trusting him, there's peace in your life. The trials are gonna come they're gonna, you're going to have issues. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. 
But again, we go back to that situation. Are we going to actually trust God in the midst of our chaos? Because today it seems like it's too easy to just complain about God. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but have you complained about God lately? Have you complained about God? Like, God, I've asked, but you haven't delivered me from the chaos. God, I've asked, and you haven't fixed my situation. God, I've asked, and and here I am still broken and needy and hurting and whatever you might want to say. God, why aren't you fixing my situation? I want you to fix my situation. When David is like, Lord, just lift me up higher. Let them rage. Let them roar. And we're going to learn here in a minute that he's going to deal with them. David is trusting God to deal with those who are in opposition to him, who would bring harm to him. David is trusting his life with God. and David is trusting the chaos and the circumstances around him with God. But so many times we just don't want to have to trust God. Is that true in your life? Would you rather have a life where you're never challenged to trust God? Where you never have to actually put the effort in to say, Lord God, I'm going to know that I am well in the midst of this chaos because I'm going to work to put my faith in you no matter what it is. I don't know where or when within the body of Christ in America we decided that faith wasn't worth it. Because when we decided faith wasn't worth it, we decided God is not worth it. Because Hebrews tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please him without faith. For those who come to him must believe that he is God and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. But what we want is chaos-free living so that we don't have to have anything but what? we have in ourselves and we can be happy with us. Is that right? Is that possible? Because David wasn't praying that God would just change his circumstances. David was praying, Lord, you save me. My faith is in you as Savior. You save me. As we'll read here in a minute, Lord, you deal with all the rest of that too. Well, he goes on in the last part of verse 3 says, Not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. For no guilt of mine they run and set themselves against me. Arouse yourself to help me and see you, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous in iniquity. What an interesting thing to say. Not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. For no guilt of mine they run and set themselves against me. Man, there's nothing worse than to be unjustly persecuted. Is there, is there anything worse than to be unjustly persecuted? Is there anything more offensive than to be accused of something you've never done or be persecuted for something you didn't do or to have people want to kill you when you didn't do anything to deserve that? Is there anything worse? I mean, we, when you think about our relationship with God How many times do we complain about our offenses? You ever get offended? Do you ever get offended? 
I get offended. Uh, I won't lie. It seems like people hurt me, and I'm sure it's true of you too. They hurt you. Don't they say things without consideration? Don't they speak of you in ways that you think to yourself, they don't even know me. They're making comments like that. They don't even know me. I didn't do that. I didn't think that. I didn't feel that. I didn't want that. Doesn't that happen to you too? And man, there aren't many things that are more difficult to deal with than an offense against something you didn't do or didn't deserve. And man, David, David had actually been a champion for Saul. He'd led the armies out to success and God was with David. God was blessing David. God was blessing Israel because of David. And Saul hated every minute of it. He was so offended by that that he wanted to kill him. And David just says, for no guilt of mine, they run and set themselves against me. But, but again, don't you love David's focus? He's not denying that he's been offended. He's not denying that he's experiencing injustice. He's not denying that what's happening to him isn't right. He's not denying that. What he's doing, though, is saying, Lord, what I need is you to deal with the situation. He says, arouse yourself to help me and see. (laughs) What a picture. What a picture, Lord. I need you to arouse. I need you to wake up. I need you to pay attention. And it's not like David thought God was sleeping. David knows God does not sleep, nor does he slumber. But David says, I need you to move, Lord, on my behalf. I I need you to help me, and I need you to see what's going on. What a great prayer. It's not like God doesn't see, but Lord, I need to know that on my behalf you're working, so I'm asking you to work on my behalf. I'm asking you to take up my cause. And what a great thought, what a great privilege that, God, that David knew that God had made promises to Israel and promises to those who believed in him. And those promises were that when you call on me, I'll hear and I'll answer and I will be for you. Another aspect of faith is to believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And yet so many people I talk to today don't really believe that God wants to help them. They believe sometimes that he can help them, but they don't necessarily believe that he wants to help them. But that's part of faith. Faith is believing that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. That when we do pray, he will answer our prayers. And David is praying this simple, humble prayer. Lord, I've been offended. Lord, I've been mistreated. Lord, there's injustice in my life. Lord, you see, you help. He says, oh, Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous in iniquity. And he goes from not just thinking about himself to saying, Lord, you need to take care of the issues in the nations. Now, I actually love this. When you, when you kind of read about this and study this a little bit, I mean, the scholars all go, how do you deal with David moving from praying for himself to all of a sudden praying to the nations and, and I don't, about the nations? I don't find it to be that hard. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about injustices that you're experiencing, why not realize that there's injustice all over the world? There is. There's injustice all over the world. I mean, at 11.30 on whatever night that was, Friday night, Saturday night, I lose so much time when we're traveling. I don't know what day it is. I hardly know what hour it is. 
I just knew that 11.30 in London, the first night we're there, when they finally decided to tell us that they weren't going to have our flight that night, it kind of felt pretty bad. Like, great. And then they're like, and you got to leave the airport, so see ya. <laughs> Thank you very much. And yet, it wasn't just us. There was 450, 500 people heading out of the airport. And we were just praying. It was awesome because these people come cutting in line in front of us, you know, going, well, we got to get something done, so we got to get up here. And <laughs> Okay. Well, I guess we don't need to. <laughs> but we prayed. The team prayed. And this verse was going through my head. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. And we stood around till there was about 20 people left. And then this gracious lady said to Pastor Max, we got you hotel rooms. If you can find a way there, you have a place to stay tonight. Hallelujah. And do you think that God doesn't hear and answer prayers for us and for others? Do you think it's inappropriate to pray for God to bring justice into this world? Because isn't that what we really want? No one wants injustice. But are we praying for justice? Are we praying for God to move? Are we praying for God to arouse and to see and to help? Are we trusting God, not just with our own situation, but with others? He even says, punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to those who are treacherous in, in iniquity. And, and David's not being unkind here. Justice must prevail. Those that sin against God and bring injustice and wickedness into this world must be dealt with. Who's going to deal with it? Is it going to be our government? Not always. Is it going to be foreign governments? Certainly not. Is it going to be me and you? Are we going to make the difference? Going to get our ways? No. No, it's God. God is the just one. Well, he goes on and says, Verse 6, they returned at evening, they howl like a dog and go around the city. Behold, they belts forth with their mouth, swords are in their lips. For they say, who hears? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all the nations. Literally what he's saying is, is the wicked, they're, they're, they're returning in the evening like a dog. They come back when they can, when it's dark out, and they, they find ways to attack people. I never really understood the dog situation until I was blessed to travel some different places. And, and the first place I ever went in, in Bulgaria was into Sofia, Bulgaria, and the capital of, of Bulgaria. Gosh, it's been many, many years ago now. But in Sofia, Bulgaria, at that time, there were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of stray dogs. Everywhere you went, stray dogs. They were skinny. Some of them weren't skinny. The skinny ones you had to watch out for because they were mean because they were hungry. And if you got too close to some of these dogs, yep, they'd come after you. And you had to be careful. And I didn't really understand the whole dog thing until that kind of stuff. And when you travel to Africa, you know, and you see dogs and they're skinny. And I was telling man, you're, I'm going to call you lucky. You're lucky to be alive. 
in a country where they can't afford to feed their own people. They don't feed the dogs either, so they're just lucky to be alive. But they're also dangerous and mean. They don't wear sweaters, and they don't get treats every day. They're vicious. And Dave is talking about the vicious ones. They return to the evening, they howl like a dog, and they go around the city. But it's not just them attacking them physically. They belt forth with their mouth. These evil men speak words. They have swords in their lips, and they say, who hears? And in other words, they're in front to the people that they come in contact with, and they're in front to God. Nobody hears. I can do what I want to. And we know this, right? We know people that don't care about God. They don't care about people. They're just evil. They're wicked. They speak. They make threats. They harm. Those are the ones he's talking about. And he says, but you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all the nations. I mean, David had an understanding that still is so critical to us. I mean, we panic over the evil that we hear coming across our TVs or our radios or our computer screens, and we get overwhelmed by all this nasty stuff that's taking place in the world today, and, and we act as if God is not there and as if somehow these nations or these peoples or these individuals are going to get away with their wickedness. And David says, no, no, no. No, Lord, you laugh at them. You know that their threats are empty threats to you, and you know that you will prevail. Do you have faith? Do we have faith? Do we believe in this great God that we're here to worship this morning? Is that what you came for? Did you come to worship the living God? To say, Lord God, you are much, much higher than we are. You're much better than we are. You're holier. You're the Holy One. Did you come to worship the one that has your life in his hands? The one that has the world in his hands? Did you come to worship him? Man, because we should worship him. We should know that all these things God's aware of, and we should be asking him, Lord, move and bring justice. Verse 9 says, because of his strength, I will watch for you. For God is my stronghold. My God in his loving kindness will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. I love that in the middle of this crying out and bringing these things before the Lord, he says, because of the wickedness of this man, I believe talking about Saul, Because of this guy's strength, David doesn't miss this. He says, I look to you. (laughs) I can't even tell you how fantastic that is to me. I mean, we know there's hard things. We know. We know there are people that wreak havoc in our lives sometimes. I hate that. I hate that for me. I hate that for you. We know there are things that wreak havoc in our life. If you don't know somebody right now probably going through cancer treatment, trials with their children, some on their deathbed, you probably know somebody who does, don't you? Things that are overwhelming. 
the strength and the hurt and the fear and the trials, they're not casual. But do you know the God who can overcome those things? Do you know the God who has overcome those things? Do you know him? David says, I know my enemy's strong, but Lord, I'm looking to you. And I love what he says, for my God is my stronghold. There's just some things from the Old Testament that that have always meant a lot to me in my own struggles and trials. Uh, This past week, we'd meet every night in a different house at the orphanage, and we would have dinner with the children in the different houses. And so we were there one night in a house with girls, and one of these young ladies had a seizure. It's a humbling thing to see a child fall on the floor and have a seizure not know what's going to happen to this child. Kneel down, put your hand on her and pray for her. And know, right, that not only is she hurting, but these little girls next to her are hurting. And the house mother's hurting. They pick her up and they carry her out and they put her on a, a little, you know, mat type thing to protect her, hopefully, for the night. And I was going to teach about Zacchaeus that night. Lord, Zacchaeus is not going to quite cut it tonight. So where do I go to? And I, by the grace of God, that I meet Isaiah 26, a chapter that, a few verses that, by the grace of God, I've known a long time. It says, the steadfast of mind, you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. Do you know who God is? Do you know that he's a stronghold, a place of safety for those who cry out to him? Have you trusted in the Lord who is the rock eternal, who never moves and never changes, who's always sufficient and always able? Do you know him? Do you know the strong tower that you run into and are safe? Do you know your shield? Protector, do you know him? May I love that David calls him my stronghold. You're my stronghold. What a, what a glorious thought that in the stronghold we're safe. My God in his loving kindness will meet me, God, will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. He didn't just know God's strength and his safety, but he knew his love. And he knew that God would cause him to prevail, even in the deepest trials. Well, he goes on, and it's an interesting thing that he prays now. Do not slay them, or my people will forget. Scatter them by your power. Bring them down, O Lord, our shield. On account of their sin, of the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, Let them even be caught in their pride and on account of their curses and lies which they utter. Then he says, destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be no more. That men may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth.
Good morning. Welcome. Come on in. Have a seat. Really glad to have everybody here this morning. Just uh, hope your hearts are ready to hear from the Lord and worship Him. Um, if you're new with us today or you're a visitor, maybe it's your first time or your second or third time, I just hope you know that you're, you're really welcome here. We, we don't... Uh, don't take for granted when we see new people. We, we know that God brought you here for some purpose, and, and we want to be able to fill that purpose for you if that's possible, if you'll let us. And we, our hearts are for you, and we love you, and we're just thankful to have you here. So um, even though there's a lot of us, you as a visitor, man, we, our hearts are for you. So if there's anything you need during the week, um, all of us pastors have our phone numbers on the back of this bulletin. Feel free to reach out to us, and we'll try to, try to be whatever we can be for you. So uh, welcome. Um, we got a couple things going on. It's school is about to start up, and so our, our Wednesday night is going to change. In a, we're going to have uh, Awanas will be starting up and dinner here on Wednesday nights, and then, of course, we have Bible studies for the adults and youth group. But uh, we're going to kick that off next Saturday with a, a, an Awana nerf battle. So we want all the Awana kids to come back and have a big nerf battle inside the church here. So bring your, your nerf guns, um, but don't bring bullets. We don't want the ones that you use to shoot the neighbor's cat, you know, with the spike on the end of it. We, so don't bring any bullets. We'll provide the nerf bullets. You provide the nerf guns, and we'll have a war here, and hopefully no one will die. So come next Saturday. Hear the church from one to three. Oh, and safety glasses in case someone does have the, the spike on the end. You can tell I have a son who modifies his Nerf bullets into deadly weapons. Um, I try to tell him not to do that. <laughs> so anyway, come be part of that. And then uh, we, we still have two more Proverbs in the Park. Proverbs in the Park is where we, uh, we meet up at Washington Park on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock. And we grill, we grill burgers. And it's just kind of like a bring a dish uh, if you haven't been to that, you need to come. We've been doing it all summer long. Just come to the next couple. You'll, you'll be blessed. Bring a lawn chair and uh, enjoy some fellowship after you get off work. And then someone will be preaching out of Proverbs and it'll be great. And we, we have two more Wednesday nights of that. So this Wednesday night, come. And next Wednesday night after that. And then lastly, um, our Zambia team made it home. Uh, see many of your jet lagged faces. Yep. <laughs> it was great. We sent a team to Zambia to work in the orphanage there and do ministry and uh, do some uh, um, VBSs and things like that. And we prayed, and you guys went, and God worked. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to think that we are doing what God calls us to do by going into the world to preach the gospel. I, we, we should never take it for granted. We should be worshiping him today, knowing that, that we sent people out from our church to share the gospel in the bush in Zambia, and that happened, and dozens and dozens of people uh, made commitments and, and gave their life to Christ because that's what God was doing. And we as a church sent this team out. The team went and now, they've, now God's been gracious enough to bring them home to us. And we prayed. And God heard our prayers. What a blessing. What a blessing it is. So let's stand up on our feet this morning. And with that thought in our hearts, uh, worship the Lord. God, thank you so much for being our God. Thank you for bringing us here. Lord, you've brought us here from our many places, God. And it's not mundane. It's not random, Lord. It's... Oh, it's not a choice of our own, Lord, that we came here. Lord, you've been working, Lord, to bring us here, to hear your word, to bring us here, Lord, so that we could, we could stand in your presence and worship you, Lord. I pray that we would today. Amen. Amen. Let's begin this morning by reading together. If you were here last week, uh, Pastor Marty Rostad preached from this passage. Read with me. Be thank anxious for nothing. 
but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He asked that question, are you content? And Paul later on says, I've learned the secret to being content. Part of it is this thankfulness. So let's be thankful this morning. Feel for our Zambia team coming back. And as we think through our lives, there's so many things to be thankful for and to give God glory for.
All right, if you'll return to your places, we'll sing. Once again, continuing this theme of gratitude. Are you thankful this morning?
Good morning. This morning we need to pray. Pray that God would do a work in each of our lives. <clears throat> First of all, in us, in us. God wants us to um, serve Him daily, serve Him with gladness. And I'd like to challenge you to be a part of College Heights Ministry. Um, we have a lot of different things going on uh, evangelism. Uh, we do a wanna. We're evangelizing our children through that, discipling them. A lot of memory verses every year, uh, and it's always an exciting time. They have the kickoffs this next Saturday, I think it was. And anyway, we need volunteers. We need us to step up and be a part of ministry. So if you're not involved in something, uh, get connected. Say something. We'd love to have you be part of the team uh, that works in Awana or whatever it might be. It might be teaching on Wednesday night. It might be, it might be helping with a good news club in one of our schools. We do have a need for that. There's uh, one of our schools where we just don't have enough people for the team. So please step up. Let me know, Pastor Mike. Uh, Pastor Max or Aaron, we need we need you to step up. So if God's calling you, be a part of it. We'd love to have you. So let's pray for that. Let's pray that we would just be willing servants of God. God has called us to serve him, uh, not to be idle. We're not here just to keep the seats warm on Sunday mornings. We're here to serve God, and that means all of us. Um, we're just thankful also for the team that went to Zambia. Thank you for praying for them. Uh, they all made it back safely, I think. Is that right, Mike? We didn't lose anybody. The cannibals didn't eat any. Okay. <laughs> we tried. We thought they would. Anyway, um, we're, we're just pleased that God took them over there and brought them back safely, and they saw a fruitful time with quite a few people coming to Christ. So let's be encouraged. We were, we were truly blessed to be able to go to these different places. Uh, we should pray for India as well. India, you know, I mentioned uh, 320 churches had been burned in the last couple months up in the northeast region. And that's an area where Pastor Max and I have gone to teach so we know those, some of those people. Let's go to prayer. Father, we're grateful 
for the country of Zambia. Thank you for our, our team that's over there. I, I mean, our pastors, our orphanage, our, just the connections we have in the bush and the city and the village. I pray that you would bless their ministries, continue to raise up a, a, a church that can serve you there in that country. And we also think of India, Lord, um, the northeast region that's had so much persecution recently and and pastors, some being beaten and, and the church buildings being burned. I pray that you would re, reconnect these people to their churches and may they just be a, a light that shines bright in these dark places of the world, Lord. And uh, help us as a church to be a part of that, uh, to to help <clears throat> help by praying, help by giving, help by going. And we're just thankful for our team that went to Zambia. Father, we do lift up um, just our church. We need to see you do a powerful work of faith through us. Do we believe you or do we not? Do we step up or don't we? Do we share Christ or don't we? Father, we want to be a part of your work here in Casper. So give us wisdom, give us love for people, and give us willing hearts to serve. I pray that many people would step up that haven't taken that step of faith yet. They would become your servants here in our church. God, your word is so clear, and we love you today. We give you praise, and we ask that you would be uh, praised even through our offering this morning, and especially through the word of God as Pastor Mike brings a message. May you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the offering.
Let's read together this morning. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. When my heart is overwhelmed, I will look to you alone. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. You will stand when others fall, you will faithful through it all. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. In the blessings of circumstances are beyond your control, what health issues are beyond your control, where do you need wisdom, where's that neighbor or friend you care about, and you just, you don't know what to say, but you know they need the Lord, they, you know they need to hear the good news. We sing this, this bridge, just put these things in this prayer. Jesus, we trust in we trust in you for our family. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you at our work. Jesus, we trust in you with our children. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. the strength of my heart. You are the strength of my heart. I can rely on you. 
Okay, kids, you guys can go to Super Church. Good morning to everybody. It's good to be home. I've had a few people ask me if I was awake. And so far, so far, so good. <clears throat> you might pray that I make it through this sermon. We're getting a little late, but uh, hopefully it'll go all right. Um, super thankful for our Zambia team. Um, I think they're all here this morning. If you guys are here, stand up. I want them to see who you are. So yeah, these guys were awesome. I'm thankful for them. Yeah, go ahead and sit down, guys. Uh, it was really a blessed trip, and, and God did some pretty amazing things, and we'll talk about it maybe a little bit a few times here this morning, but uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to share. Um, really thankful, honestly, about just... Some of the things that happened while we were gone, we have a brand new baby in our our church, Keenan Etzel Miller, and he was here this morning. I don't think he's here now, but uh, that was a blessing, and Ed and Karen Smith celebrated 50 years of marriage this past week, and so, yeah, that's pretty exciting. They were also here this morning. I guess all the good things happened in the first service, but uh, also the guys that were here, I heard, went well. Uh, Fred Creason was here sharing the word, and Marty Ross, that two men I have huge uh, appreciation for just godly men and it's just just a blessing to be here uh, you know whenever I come home I always I always want to just seek the Lord and say you know what's what's going on and where are we and where do we need to go and what does it look to like to walk with Christ and this morning we really spent some time praying about the ministries our Awana ministry and then our uh, our good news clubs and our schools and we were just talking about how much, you know, we need servants. We need workers. And it's not just that simple to me, you know. Um, we, we're, we're a church, right? We're not, we're not an organization. Uh, we're not a club. Uh, we don't pay people. Uh, well, I guess we pay me. Thank you. Um, but typically we don't pay many folks. Um, but we're a body of Christ. Like we serve because Christ is our savior. We serve because Christ is, is our strength. He's our wisdom. He's the one that moves us. We don't serve because we want to. Uh, we should want to, by the way, but, but that's not why we serve. We serve because he calls us. We serve because he equips us. And, and to come home and hear that we aren't gonna do one of our good news clubs because we don't have enough workers I can't tell you how much that hurts me and frustrates me because that's just walking in the flesh. I'll be honest with you. People say, well, I can't do that because I don't like to spend time with kids and kids are hard to handle and you don't know how difficult it is. And, and actually I do because my wife works in one out of Evansville and she comes back and tells me how difficult it is almost every week. It's hard. 
It takes a lot of time, perseverance, faithfulness, love, grace. But isn't that who Christ is? Isn't that who Christ is? Is he not enough for us to send us that we might work and serve by faith and not back away because it's inconvenient or difficult? And guys, I, I gotta tell you, that's, that's shocking to me that we struggle to get enough servants. I mean, we have some people that come to Awana and serve in Awana, but they don't, they don't attend church. That's gonna stop, just so you know. Why would people serve in a ministry but not come to church? What kind of an example is that? What kind of testimony is that? What kind of gospel is that? I mean, I just want you to know that we should be challenged a little bit. It's, it's scary to me to think that, that we are going to become a church that says, well, I can do this or I can do that. I want to do this or I want to do that. I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. It's all going to be based on us and not on Christ. And guys, we need to, we need to change that. That is not who we are in Christ Jesus. So I'm not coming back to kind of scold. I'm coming back, to, I want to see some passion. I want to see some fire. Literally, I want to see some faith. Because that's what that is, it's faith. And I was blessed this week. I mean, it's always kind of an interesting thing to do a mission trip because you really never know how it's going to go. I've done a lot. I've taken a lot of teams. I haven't taken a few. I've taken a lot and seen a lot of things, cool things, good things, hard things, difficult things. I saw some powerful things this week. And some people that, man, they were like, I want to do it. I want to serve. But it's scary. And it's overwhelming. And it's a battle. Man, and they stepped up. They did. They stepped up. And they did some things that were just all to the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's awesome. Isn't it? It is. And our team was pretty pretty interesting. We had the geriatric crew. Those who were older than me. <laughs> there were a few. Actually, it was probably in it. But I wasn't 60 yet, and I'm not yet. Hallelujah. I was in the next level geriatric crew. And then we had the young crew, uh, 26 and under. Five of them were 26 and under, and five of us were, you know, older. And uh, so it was kind of an interesting dynamic, but it was, it was pretty humbling to see every single one of us got the chance to teach uh, every single one of us stepped out to do evangelism. Some of them had never done that before. I got to go with a couple of young ladies that I'm so stinking proud of. Wow. I mean, wow. Faith. I mean, I'm scared. You know, and not, not that I'm some hero, but I've done it a few times, like a lot. And they had never done it. Well, one of them had, but she grew a ton. The other one just stepped up. Guys, it's nuts to think that we have a church that people are afraid to step up and do something's hard. Will we pray? Would you pray with me that we'd stop that nonsense? Would you pray with me that we'd have a faith that says God can do whatever he wants to do in us and through us? That God is able to do far more exceedingly above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that's at work in us, his body, could we not do that? Because, man, don't you want to see Jesus get glory? I do. So let's pray, and then we'll look into his word. Lord God, I'm so blessed. I mean, I am blessed in so many ways 
to be a part of this church as I've seen people walk by faith. I've seen us as a church step out and do things that, Lord, weren't possible for us. I've seen it. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd continue to raise up people. You'd continue to raise up people who believe you, who trust you, who will step in to do ministry, Lord God, where they don't feel qualified and they feel overwhelmed by it. And yet, because of you, they'll step into ministry and they'll say yes. And we'll see you display your glory in schools across Casper and at WBI as we go in on Monday nights and Thursday nights and in the police department and Lord God, here in our church in Awana and, and in Upward and in Sunday school and in many other places that we need to continue to serve. Our women's ministry, the men's ministries, Lord. So many different things. We need, we need you to call us out and raise us up. We don't need to be spectators. We don't need to be unbelieving. We need you to help us, Lord. So do that and let it all be done for your glory. And we pray for our city, the Lord Jesus, you would share the gospel in this city that people might come to know you and that you might transform this city and our state and our nation and this world. Lord God, thank you for being sufficient for us in every area. And thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, who makes it all possible. And we ask you to open our hearts and our minds to your word this morning. And that, Father, you draw us to yourself. And Lord, we love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn over to Psalm chapter 59 this morning. Psalm chapter 59. Um, before I left, God had kind of put this verse on my heart. I don't even remember exactly how I read it, uh, but I, I just knew when I read it that I, I needed to memorize this verse and I needed to have it with me as we traveled. And, and it's Psalm 59, 16, and we'll get to it in a minute. But, but it simply says this, but as for me, I, will, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. For you are my stronghold, a refuge in the day of my distress. It's a verse that had never really kind of crossed my path. I've read it as I've read through Psalms many times. But, but this verse, I just knew that God was speaking to me about some personal things. Like I should pay attention and celebrate his strength in my life. I should pay attention and celebrate his loving kindness in my life. I should recognize him as a stronghold in my life. I should recognize him as a refuge in my life. I should, should pay attention. He's personal to me. And, uh, and so as I prayed through that and worked on it and quoted it in different places and thought about it in my mind, I kind of also prayed, Lord, what are you going to do with this verse? I mean, seldom does he ever kind of give you anything without doing something with it. And so Last Sunday, walked into the church in Kokolo where, we were, where I was going to preach, and it was time for Sunday school. And so I walk in, and Jake and Charity, they're going to do the, the Sunday school for the kids, and they're going to do children's church, so they're not there. It's just the three of us at this one location. And the pastor says to me, who's teaching Sunday school for the adults? So I don't know. Nobody told us we needed to teach Sunday school. And he goes, well, I'm not ready. I'm like, oh, I guess I am. So guess what I did? I taught Psalm 59, even though I'd only really looked at one verse. But it's so good. It's so good. It's so challenging in some ways. And so read through this with me. We'll read the whole chapter, Psalm 59, beginning of verse 1. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Set me securely on high, away from those who rise up against me. 
Deliver me from those who do iniquity and save me from the men of bloodshed. For behold, they have set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me, not for my transgression nor for my sin, O Lord. For no guilt of mine, they run and set themselves against me. Arouse yourself to help me and see. You, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous in iniquity. They return at evening, they howl like a dog and go around the city. Behold, they belch forth with their mouth, swords are in their lips, for they say, who hears? But you, O Lord, laugh at them, you scoff at all the nations. Because of his strength, I will watch for you, for God is my stronghold. My God in his loving kindness will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. Do not slay them or my people will forget. Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. On account of the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be caught in their pride and on account of curses and lies which they utter. Destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be no more. That men may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. They return at evening. They howl like a dog and go around the city. They wander about for food and growl if they are not satisfied. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. For you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. This is a a powerful passage of scripture when you know the context. And it tells us, uh, before verse 1, it gives a little note about what this is from. And it was from the time where David had to be delivered from Saul, where men surrounded his house and were hoping when he came out in the morning they would ba- ambush him and kill him. And you can look at that in First Samuel chapter 19. But it's, it's kind of this interesting time because God has anointed David to be the next king. And God has brought a, a spirit of torment to Saul. And so Saul is becoming more and more jealous of David. And in chapter 19, you begin with reading, Saul tells his son Jonathan and the commanders of the armies of Israel to kill David. Flat out. And Jonathan knows that David is innocent. He knows that his dad is jealous. And so he talks his dad out of it. And his dad makes a vow not to kill David. Well, then you read that David is there playing the harp for Saul to calm this evil spirit that God has sent upon Saul. And Saul gets angry with David and chucks his spirit at him, tries to kill him, breaks his vow right away. And then the next thing you read is that he sends his his men out to surround David's house so that when David gets up in the morning and goes outside, these guys will kill him. But you also read that David's wife, Michael, who is Saul's daughter, warns David, lowers him down out of a window. He departs before they get there and saves his life. And and in response to this situation where the king of Israel, the most powerful man in the nation, obviously wants to kill this guy. And he's he's not casual about it. I mean, he's after him. And so David is in a pretty serious situation. And one of the things that I love about this is that I mean, the simplicity of this psalm is is almost surprising to us because David isn't trying to figure out strategy. He isn't trying to rally men around him to protect him from Saul. At this point in time in his life, all he is doing is praying. He's praying. He's actually understanding that 
his situation is so dire that really nothing that he does is going to deliver him from this king. And so he's turning to the one who has the ability to deliver him and trusting him. And, and I find that so simple and yet, again, so shocking because it's not exactly how we respond to the trials that we have in our lives. Not very often anyway, and maybe not, maybe not all of us, but there's a lot of people today that when they face overwhelming situations, instead of simply praying and trusting God, man, I, I can't even tell you how many times I had people talk to me when I say, just pray and trust the Lord. And they're like, well, we need more than that. We need a plan. We need to do something. God isn't going to do something physical in our life to deliver us. So what should we do to deliver ourselves? And I got to tell you, that's nothing but wrong. There's nothing about that that's true. If God does not deliver us, what makes us think we can deliver ourselves? Are we God? Do we have power? Do we have wisdom? Do we have insight? Can we make a plan that knows tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow? Are we able to deliver ourselves from sickness? Are we able to deliver ourselves from financial needs? Are we able to del deliver our families who are going through struggles or our marriages that are broken? I mean, how many people in this room, if we were really honest with each other, would actually have to say, I've got something going on in my life that I can't control, that I can't fix? How many would be actually honest enough to say that? And how many would be actually capable of saying, by faith, I believe God will take care of me? Now, yes, once we pray, there is some walking after his guidance, but so many people don't wait for his guidance and so many people don't trust him. And I want you to know there's nothing but unbelief. It's unbelief and it's not okay. It is never gonna be okay. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him because those who come to God must believe that he is God and that he's a rewarder of those who, who seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. If you want to walk in the flesh, you are walking contrary to the way of God. Read Galatians chapter 5. Read Galatians chapter 6. It talks about that. The flesh and the spirit are at enmity with one another. That we might not do what we please. It's just we have got to become a people that are so simplistic that the answer to our needs is the Lord God Almighty. And it doesn't matter how great our needs are. He's good. He's capable, he's faithful, he's wise, he loves us. Man, David, he is being pursued by the king and the king wants to kill him. And he starts this, this response out by saying, <clears throat> deliver me from my enemies, oh my God. Set me securely on high away from those who rise up against me. Man, I love this. Lord, you're my deliverer, so I need you to deliver me. But what's interesting to me is he says, set me up on high away from those who come against me. In other words, what he's saying is what I want, what I need is for you to put me at a place where they can't do anything to me. What's also interesting to me is that he doesn't pray for God to take the whole situation away. He just says, put me in a place 
where they can't touch me, up high away from where they are, where they can't do anything to me, even if they continue to chase me, even if they continue to hate me, even if they continue to desire my demise, I'm trusting you to put me somewhere else. How many of you actually believe that God can take care of you without your circumstance changing? Do you believe that? I mean, what most of us want, honestly, is probably some of the most selfish things we could ever ask for. We want God to take all of our problems out of our life, take all of our challenges out of our life, take all the chaos out of our life, take all the pain out of our life, that we would never have another problem in this world. That's what we really want from God. Anybody want to say amen? Because quite honestly... When we do have trials and we do have pain and we do have struggles, many of us say to God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? Only we couch that by saying, we don't understand, God, why you aren't doing the right thing. Why aren't you coming through for us? Why aren't you getting it right, God? We know what's best for us, God. So take all the chaos out of our life, and then we won't need you anymore. Oh, that's right. We don't say that, do we? But isn't that what we want? To be free of dependency upon God, to be free of dependency upon anybody else, to be free to be ourselves and have our own wills and have our own ways. Isn't that true? Is anybody with me? Man, David understood something that you and I really do need to understand. There's always going to be chaos and brokenness and pain and suffering in this world because this world is full of sin and full of sinners. It won't change until Christ does away with this world and creates the new heaven and the new earth. It will not change. So how do we then live in this world How do we then get through this world even with all the pain and the suffering? Well, we walk by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. I mean, you think Jesus didn't address this for us? You think the Bible doesn't teach us that we're going to have to deal with these things in day in and day out living? And how we deal with it is going to depend or you're going to determine how we then live our lives. We're going to have peace. We're going to have hope. We're going to have wisdom. We're going to impact the world for good. Or are we actually going to just live in this world like Christ doesn't matter in our life? Because quite honestly, sometimes that's how we do it, isn't it? Far too often. We say we pray, but we don't. We say we believe, but we don't. And so then all the burdens of the trials and all the burdens of the chaos and all the burdens of the pain, we bear as if God isn't there. And that's not true. He is there. He's always there. We've got to learn to trust him and have faith. Man, David says... Set me securely on high away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity and save me from the men of bloodshed. For behold, they have set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me. He doesn't refuse to say these guys aren't real. They're real. 
I mean, man, don't you have some trials and pain and suffering in your life? Don't you? Man, I, was, I always love the people that never tell me they have a trial in their life. Because I'm like, you're not telling me the truth. I'm not going to pry it from you. You have to deal with that yourself, but got any enemies? Got any people who wound you? Got any people that in your life, man, they, they say they know you, they say they understand you, they say that they know how you work, and yet their words are so painful, they offend you so deeply that you don't even know how to respond to them. They even sometimes claim they love you, and yet the way they treat you, man, it just is one offense after another offense after another offense. And you go, man, Lord, just let me stop hurting. Well, listen, the way that you make it through those painful things is you pray. And you say, Lord, man, you deliver me. I don't have to deliver myself. I don't have to strike back. I don't have to get angry. I don't have to be hateful. You deliver me. And we aren't even talking about some of the things that are bigger. I mean, there's several people in our church going through cancer, going through cancer treatments, struggling. It's hard. It's deep. Who delivers them? Christ. We have people struggling through things that we're going to talk about in a minute, injustice. Who delivers them? Christ. But we don't deliver ourselves. David nowhere says, Lord, help me deliver me. He says, Lord, you deliver me from them. They've set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me. I mean, the things that come up in our lives are not casual, and we know that. But sometimes we just act like, you know, we don't really need God. We act like our very breath is not dependent upon him. We act like, you know, we can get through this world and we can skim by and we don't really need to be prayer warriors and we don't really need to be dependent on anybody else. And, I mean, I came in the first service this morning and, man, there was just this battle going on. I mean, it's, it's hard to hear that we don't have enough people to step up and serve people that need Jesus, children that need Jesus. And we have a church that's not going to step up. How is that possible? That's not why we're here. We're here to serve. We're here to care. We're here to be like Christ. We're here to give. We're not here to bail. We're not here to say we can't do it. We're not here to say we won't do it. Do you think that's not a battle? I mean, that wreaks such havoc in my life. Lord, why? What's going on? Where are we, Lord? What needs to happen? And I'm standing there praying, and I realize, Lord, this is the same. It's always been the same. It's never going to be any different. This is the battle. This is always the battle. The battle is for faith, to believe that God is the deliverer and God is the supplier and God is the equipper. 
And man, since the very first time I ever stepped and, and, and to a church as a pastor, man, the battle was raging in my life and I didn't know anything else. And I can remember just getting up early in that, my first church when it was dark and black and hateful. But I'd get up early and I just could put my hands on all the pews and pray for all the people. And I'd pray for the pulpit. I'd put it on the, the organ and the, and the piano and the choir and all the Sunday school classrooms. And I mean, I'd just walk through my church and just put my hands on things, just plead God to do what I couldn't do and to do what we couldn't do. And I'm standing there this morning. I put my hands on the seat in front of me and I prayed again, Lord, you've got to do what we can't do. You've got to change our hearts. You've got to move us to Christ. You've got to give us compassion and faithfulness, and faith, courage, humility. We're not praying for that, though. We're praying for God to make us strong, for God to make us independent, for God to you know, fix our life so that we can do whatever we want to. But the battle's raging, and David got it right. Lord, you deliver me. These are fierce men. These are big obstacles. These are big trials, but you deliver me. And then he says, not for my transgression in the last part of verse 3, nor for my sin, O Lord, for no guilt of mine they run and set themselves against me. Arouse yourself to help me and see you, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous in iniquity. And David moves on to the truth that he says, I, I did not deserve this. I haven't offended Saul. Matter of fact, David was the champion of Israel. He'd gone out and killed Goliath. God's hand was upon him. After he killed Goliath and they had the great victory over the Philistines, David led out the armies of Israel more than once, and God gave great victories because David was blessed by God, and David was trying to honor the king and trying to bless his nation, and now Saul's trying to kill him. He says, wasn't my iniquity. And man, how we hate injustice. Amen? There's nothing worse than when people treat us unjustly, say things about us that aren't true, do whatever they want to that aren't true. But David is still convinced that he's not going to save himself. He prays. He says, arouse yourself to help me and see you, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel. He's like, God, you need to pay attention to what's going on in my life. And I promise you, God already knew. But there's some power in a man who's going to say to the Lord, arouse yourself. Move on my behalf. I know who you are. I know the promises that you've made. I know that you're the answer. You love me. You'll come to me on my behalf because you've promised to do it. What power is there when we say, Lord God, see and help and arouse yourself. You're the God of Israel and all things are under you and you're in control of all things. That's faith. But you know how many people tell me, I believe God can help me. But I don't know if he will. Really? You don't think he will? Do you know him? Do you know him? Many of us claim to know him. Many of us claim to know that Jesus is our Savior. But then when we come to him in prayer, we say, I believe you could help me, but I don't know if you will. If that's how you pray, you don't know him. You don't know him. Romans chapter 8 is a powerful chapter. One of the great verses in it. Romans chapter 8, 
Let me get there. Let's see. Verse 32, verse 31. What then shall we say to those things, to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Will he help us? Of course he's going to help us. Will he do it the way we want him to every single time? Not necessarily. But that does not diminish God. It exalts him. As he knows far more about what you and I need than what we know about what we need. You don't have to be afraid if he's going to help us. He's going to help us. But that requires faith. Do you have it? If you don't have it, would you pray that God would give you more? Verse verse 6, he goes on. They return at evening. They howl like a dog and go around the city. Behold, they belt forth with their mouth swords or in their lips, for they say, who hears? But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all the nations. Now he's talking about these treacherous men. They come in evening. They return when the darkness comes out and they're like a dog. Now, I learned some lessons as I've traveled First time I traveled to Bulgaria, we got off the plane in Sofia, Bulgaria. And in Sofia, Bulgaria, at that time, there were literally dogs all over the streets, hundreds of them, maybe thousands of them. They traveled in packs. At night, you could hear them outside the hotel room killing each other, making horrible sounds of a dog dying by these packs. And you had to realize when you were walking through the streets, you had to be careful. These dogs were dangerous. And it wasn't the fat dogs that were dangerous, by the way. It was the thin ones. Because, right, they were hungry. And they'd hurt you. Well, that's what he's talking about here. Nasty dogs. Dogs that were hungry. Dogs that were angry. Dogs that wanted to devour. They didn't wear sweaters. Sorry. Anyway, he says they return at night, they howl like a dog, they go around the city, and he's not just talking about their evil here, he talks about they belch forth with their mouth, they say things, swords in their mouth or on their lips, and they even say who hears. In other words, we're going to do what we want to do, we're going to devour, we're going to kill David, we're going to do whatever, evil men in all the nations, and they scoff at God, who hears. Who's going to do anything about us? Who's going to stop us? Doesn't it seem that way sometimes? Doesn't seem like the evil is running rampant? Do you talk about it on a pretty regular basis? I bet you do. It's a great topic of conversation, isn't it? This world's getting more evil. It's getting more dangerous. Man, it's easier for people to get away with things. There's no discipline. There's no judgment. Our courts aren't doing anything about the injustice, right? Our jails are full. They won't put people in jail. They won't, they won't hold them against, you know, hold their crime against them. I and mean, what a dangerous world this is. We talk about it all the time, don't we? As if there's no answer. As if there's no God. As if God can't deal with injustice. 
But David says, but you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at all the nations. He's not just talking about his situation. Now he's talking about the nations because whenever you talk about injustice in your own life, you might as well involve all the injustice of the world, right? God, are you going to do anything about the injustice in my life? And Lord, I don't want to just pray for me. There's injustice all over this world. Why don't we ask you to deal with that, Lord? But it seems as though, right, it's, he's never doing anything about it. Isn't that the way we think sometimes? Is anybody with me? Because we don't want to talk about this because we actually do this, don't we? We don't really believe that when we pray, God's going to bring justice, do we? Where is it? Where's God? Where's the justice? It's with God. He's working. Do you believe? Man, God scoffs at the nations. He scoffs at the bad guys. He's not afraid of the bad guys. Why would he be? He made them. And he knows their destination. And he knows what's going to happen to them at his hand. Well, David goes on. He acknowledges some things that I think are important. Because of his strength, I will watch for you, for God is my stronghold. My God and his loving kindness will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. Verse 9 says, because of his strength, I will watch for you. Now he's back to talking about his, his circumstances, and he sees Saul's strength, and he realizes, I, I don't have a defense for Saul. So because of his strength, I'll look to you. It's simple. Isn't it simple? I mean, most of us, if we were really honest, if we were just honest, not even really honest, just honest, would just simply say, the hardships in this world are beyond me. So God, I look to you. I just look to you. And I love what he says, for God is my stronghold. My God in his loving kindness will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my enemies. How many of you know who God is even in the extent of what the Old Testament calls him. I mean, this past week, we each night we would go to one of the homes in the orphanage where children would stay, boys would stay in this house, girls in this house, etc. And so we would have supper with them, and then we would share a testimony, and we would do a devotion. And so Colin and I had gone to this house, and it was a little girl's house, and we're sitting there afterwards getting ready for devotion and, and this girl has a seizure. I don't know, 10, 12-year-old girl. And uh, it's hard to see a kid have a seizure. It's hard to see anybody have a seizure. It falls on the floor and jerking. And, and so we, we bend down, we pray for her. All these girls are overwhelmed. They've seen her do it before, but their hearts are broken. And... Uh, the lady that's a house lady, you know, she's concerned for this child. Obviously, they pick her up and carry her, put her on a mat, uh, praying that she'd be okay. And I had, uh, I had thought I was going to share about Zacchaeus. And the Lord was like, nah, not Zacchaeus. But the Lord led me to this passage over here because it's meant something to me for a long time. It's in Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. The steadfast of mind 
you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. And I took the time to talk through it with the girls to talk about how you can have steadfast minds, how you can have peace because you focused on Christ. And then I shared this verse, verse 4 is meta verse in my memory for many, many years because of some trials that Beth and I went through. And, and I talked about what it means to trust in the Lord who's the rock eternal, right? The one that never changes, the one that never moves, the one that can't be shaken, the one who is the stability of our lives no matter what we go through trust in the Lord for the Lord the Lord is a rock eternal and I told these girls I said you've got to come to him and you've got to trust him and you've got to believe that he's good because when you do you'll find peace peace and God will keep you in that peace no matter what you go through these precious little girls man they want to know him and they want to walk with him but some of us we don't want to trust in God we don't want to know him as the rock, the rock. We don't want to know him as a stronghold. We don't want to have to come to that place where we go, Lord, we're vulnerable in your care and vulnerable in your protection. We want to say, God, I got this because if I don't have it, who else is going to take care of me? But there is no peace when you try to take care of yourself. Peace comes when you trust God And so he says to the Lord, you're my stronghold. Your loving kindness will meet me. It goes on in verse 11. It says, do not slay them or my people will forget. Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield, on account of their sin, on account of the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips. Let them even be caught in their pride and on account of curses and lies which they utter. Destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be no more. That men may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. What a powerful little passage of scripture. I know it's tough for us to read. Oh Lord, don't destroy them completely right now, but scatter them. And then later on, Lord, destroy them in your wrath. And we go, man, should we even pray prayers like that? Well, I would caution you not to pray prayers like that out of hatred. But if you're going to call God to justice, he's all about justice. You don't have to worry about God being justice. But the bigger point of this passage is, God, I need you to display your glory. The whole world needs you to display your glory, Lord. You need to come in and show these men who are, who are claiming they are their own gods, who are claiming they can, def- they can defile you and claiming they can defile your people and come against innocent people. I need you, Lord, to show your glory that the nations might know that God rules in Jacob or God rules in Israel. Show your glory. And I love that. Even in his great struggle. David is saying what we really need, God, is not just for you to set me free from my problems, but we need to see that you alone are God. So Lord, you move for your glory. That's what we ought to be praying. That's something I pray about often. Lord, whatever happens at College Heights needs to be about you so that people will see your glory. Man, when these young ladies and I were out sharing the gospel, God was displaying his glory through these young ladies as they were sharing, moving past their fears, moving past their insecurities, and just trusting God. And then God's blowing the stuff out of the water. And we come back, we were out for, three, for an hour and a half with three teams, 17 people prayed to receive Christ 
I've never seen anything like it. I've done evangelism in the bush. I've done evangelism in Portugal. I've done evangelism in Casper. I've done these things. I've never seen 17 people trust Christ because it was God saying, I'll show you what I can do. There was a whole village that had been raised up because there were squatters in the bush. They were just living on land that wasn't theirs all over the place, poor people, and the, and the government of Zambia kind of raised up this area where they put these people in a brand new village over the last couple of years since I've been there two years ago. Brand new village. And 17 people come to know Christ and the people we work with already have a heart for them. And I'm like, God's going to raise up a church right here and make a difference in this world. It was powerful. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about the girls I was with. It wasn't about the other teams. It was God. We came back and they're all like, I can't, I can't even imagine. It was just crazy. That's what we need today. We don't need to be strong. We don't need to be capable. We don't need to be the answer. We're not the answer. God, you move so that people will know there's a God in Casper, Wyoming, in College Heights Baptist Church, in the United States of America, the living God, the one God, the only God. There is no other. Do you want that? We so much need him. It's not hard if we'll move past us. Amen? Well, then verse 14, it returns back to the dogs. They return in the evening. They howl like a dog and go around the city. They wander about for food and growl if they're not satisfied. He's just saying this evil is going to keep coming. It's going to keep happening. Man, wicked people are never going to be satisfied. They're going to be growling because they're not satisfied. It's going to keep happening. But then David... He's like, I'm going to tell you, God, how I'm going to respond to this. This powerful verse. The dogs are going to howl. They're going to growl. They're going to be unsatisfied. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. God, you're my strength. And I'm going to sing to you and praise you because you are my strength. I told one of the churches I, I spoke at, and they laughed. It's still true. So when I was younger, I was big and strong. Now I'm just big. It's true. I wish it wasn't true. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Because God is my strength. And he has more strength than I ever had. Ever. I'm going to sing of your strength, he says. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. One of my favorite passages is Lamentations chapter 3, where God says his mercies are new every morning. His loving kindness has never ceased, and great is his faithfulness. It's something I recant to myself often. Thanks for the new mercies, Lord. I needed it. Yesterday was rough. I needed some new mercies this morning, Lord. But do you know why? He says, I'll sing of your loving kindness in the morning. Because the dogs were howling and they were raging in the night. And God saw him through. Your loving kindness sustains me, Lord. I'm going to sing about it in the morning. New morning, new day, victory. And then I love, I love what he says. 
for you are my stronghold. You're not just the stronghold of the world, Lord. You're mine, my stronghold, the one who surrounds me and protects me. You're the strong tower that I run into, and I'm safe. You're the rock that I stand on, and I'm secure. You're my stronghold, Lord, and a refuge in the day of my distress. I'm going to sing, Lord, of your loving kindness in the morning as I'm here because you are all I need. And he finishes, oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. Oh, my strength, I'll sing praises to you. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the response to him is to sing praises to him because of his strength, because of his loving kindness, because of his salvation. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've become a son or a daughter of the Lord God Almighty. He's washed your sins clean from you. You now stand in right relationship with him, and he will never let anyone snatch you out of his hand. Why are we afraid? Why do we not walk by faith? Why not sing praises to him? Praises one after the other, of God, you're all that I need you to be, and step out by faith and see what he will do. Men and women of Christ, stand up. Stand up. Stop acting like God doesn't love you. Stop acting like God's not enough for you. Pray. Pray. Trust him and watch him move. And don't make excuses for your lack of faith. Repent of it and pray for God to give us faith. Let's be a people humble before our living God and yet courageous in the way we walk after him. And man, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, know this. He died for your sins, the sinless one who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself all the way to the point of death on the cross. The living God took the form of a man to save us from our sins. He paid the price for our sins and rose again on the third day. And if you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be. But you got to believe you got to believe. you got to trust him. He won't come any other way. How about we have some faith, huh? How about we sing of our God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. Lord God, forgive me of my unbelief. Help me. Help my unbelief. Lord God, help us in our unbelief. Help us to have faith for those that are lost, that today they would believe in Jesus Christ and be born again and have eternal life. For those of us that know you, Lord God, Lord, forgive us for this unwillingness to trust you and follow you, to step into places we've never stepped before, to do things we've never done before, to give more than we've ever given before, to love more than we've ever loved before. Help us, Lord God, to trust you in that. When the trials come and the heartaches come, Lord, help us to trust you in that. Help us to pray and know that you, Lord God, are our strength. 
Your loving kindness is sufficient for us. It will never end. You're our stronghold and our, and our shelter, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to give you glory. Show yourself powerful and sufficient that all the glory might go to you. And Lord God, I love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Our pastors are down front. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to answer questions for you. We'd love to just minister to you. We love you. Let's respond to Christ this morning. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am.
we're blessed this morning. This is Ron Young. Uh, Ron and his family have just been here in Casper six weeks. six weeks. What a great choice. What a great choice. <laughs> well, I'm glad God finally got you up here. But uh, uh, Ron has said he just has been praying and he feels like the Lord is leading him to be part of College Heights. He's already been saved and baptized. And, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you share a little bit, Ron. Share briefly, but share also about your wife so we can, we can also pray with you folks. My God is good. <laughs> Amen. He has seen me through Vietnam. Yeah. He has seen me through college. He has seen me through work of 43 years at the same company. And he has seen me through 50 years of marriage this year with my wife. Amen. There's four years in remission with cancer and fighting through her stroke. And God has blessed her all the way. But this morning, my heart is heavy for a neighbor of mine who we've known for 30 years. I love my neighbors in Tennessee, and I pray for them every day. And God has blessed me to know them and to worship with them. But Lisa Zen today has been put in hospice. She will be healed in heaven. Amen. Thank you for this church. brother. Well, you know how this works, right? I mean, God always adds to his body as he sees fit. That, we celebrate that every time. And uh, that means that Ron has been sent here to help us. <laughs> and we've been sent here to help him. And we want to do that. And so we want to pray about that. We want to pray for Ron's wife. We want to pray for this woman who's been put in hospice. But let's pray for God to do a great thing. And then you guys come up here and welcome Ron. And we should maybe give a little more warm welcome if you're pretty excited about him coming. There, there we go. Yeah. All right, well, let's pray, and then you guys come up here. Lord Jesus, we give you praise today for who you are, what you've done, and how you love us. And we give you praise today for Ron and his dear wife of 50 years. We're grateful for Christ in their life and his testimony of how you've walked him through so much, Lord God. And now you continue to walk him through, and, and you've blessed him to come to be a part of this body with us, and we're so grateful. And we pray that you would help us be a faithful body of Christ, to love him, to encourage him, to challenge him to grow, to allow him to challenge us to grow, to serve together, to walk in unity by faith. We pray you do all that in us, with him, and in in him, with us. We also pray for this woman that's been placed in hospice. Thankfully, Lord, she knows you. May your will be done in her life because we know you could raise her up and send her home well. We also know, Lord, that one of these days you're going to call us all home, deliver us from this wretched world and even from our own failures. So, Lord, your will be done in her, but give her peace and grace as you walk with her through this. Be glorified in our lives, Lord. Thank you for these men and women here today. What a joy it is to worship together. Now, bless us, we ask, as we leave this place, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Come on up. Welcome around. Welcome around.